Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it's Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast, presented, of course, by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Most of you guys already know that. A bunch of podcasts, including the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. A lot to talk about today on that show with Andrew Brandt, with everything going on with the Broncos sale and Deshaun Watson and the recent Rams contract. So make sure you check out the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Going to have an awesome even money betting podcast tomorrow on Fantasy Feast later on in the week. This is the College Draft Podcast. You can always check me out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. Check us out at Ross Tucker Pod. Typically, my co-host each week is the great Emery Hunt at F-Ball Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube. But with multiple travel issues, Emery gets the week off, and we are joined by one of my favorite beat writers in the entire NFL, I literally read every single article he <laughs> writes. It's at Jimmy Kemsky from Philly Voice, who's going to help me break down the NFC East draft choices because unlike most beat writers, Jimmy actually looks at the other teams in the division and reviews where they're at, reviews their draft, and is not just Eagle-centric. Check him out on social media at Jimmy Kemsky, K-E-M-P-S-K-I. Jimmy, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for those kind words. How are you? I am doing awesome. So I got I got to tell you this, man. So, you know, obviously, since I do the Eagles pregame on WIP and I do their preseason games, I follow the Eagles closely. Uh, Jimmy is one of a couple of Eagles beat writers that I, I read every single thing he writes. Big fan of the humor big fan of the time that he takes to actually cut up the videos and make my job easier and better, which is awesome. So Jimmy, I got to tell you, man, I just discovered because a lot of times I can't always read as much as I want to (laughs) read. I just discovered this new app where I can have the articles like read to me if I'm working out. So like if I'm riding my bike or on a walk on the beach or if I'm driving back early in the morning and my family's sleeping or whatever the case might be. So I, the last two or three articles I read, I quote unquote read of yours, it's this new app and it's Gwyneth Paltrow's voice. So Gwyneth <laughs> Paltrow reading some of like talking about Hassan Reddick or what was the last one I just read? Um, That's great. I mean, it, it's hilarious, man. It's honestly hilarious to hear Gwyneth Paltrow reading your, your articles about the Philadelphia Eagles to me. Would it be weird if I downloaded that app just so that she could read my own articles back to me? Would that be a weird thing to do? Because I might, now that you mentioned that, I might have to do that. It's amazing. <laughs> it, it like artificial intelligence. It's amazing. Um, That's I, right. There's other voices. 
you can pick. So I think you, I think you would really, really enjoy it. So, all right, here's what we're going to do. We've been going over, you know, the, the thesis here, right, is that people spend so much time pre-draft, but then after the right. draft, it's like they talk about the team's first-round pick, and that's it. They just, they just move on. Um, okay. We don't do that. So no. we're going to take the time. <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. We're going to take the time to actually talk about these teams' drafts and get the lowdown. So I want to start with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to read okay. off wh what they did, and then I want to get your thoughts on what they did. So in the first round, they took Tyler Smith, the offensive lineman from Tulsa. Second round, Sam Williams, the edge rusher from Ole Miss. Third round, Jalen Tolbert, wide receiver, South Alabama. Fourth round, Jake Ferguson, tight end, Wisconsin. Then they got in the later rounds, Matt, well, let's go. A big tackle from North Dakota, Deron Bland, a corner from Fresno State, Damone Clark, a linebacker, LSU, John Ridgeway, D tackle, Arkansas, and Devin Harper, linebacker, Oklahoma State. So big picture, what were your thoughts, Jimmy, on the Cowboys draft? Yeah, it reminded me a lot of their other drafts, particularly in the second round. I think for, um, you know, every year it seems like they take some sort of um, risk player in the second round, whether that's a, a character concern guy or an injury concern guy. Like they took Ch Kelvin Joseph last year. They took uh, Jalen Smith, of course, injury concern guy back in the day. Uh, Tristan Hill was sort of a, a character concern guy. Randy Gregory is another one in the second round. This year they take Sam Williams uh, in the second round. I mean, he had great production at Ole Miss, and uh, he ran. I think he ran like a four four six forty. His um, uh, athletic testing measurables were sort of off the charts. Very similar uh, to like Montez Sweat, for example, who went in the first round to Washington a couple of years ago. Um, so for that guy to go in the second round, like why didn't that guy go in the first round? It's like he's got some uh, some character concerns issue in his past, and that caused him to fall. And the Eagles, oh excuse me, the, the Cowboys took him there in the second round. I thought the first round pick was kind of interesting too. Like they seemed their offensive line has for years been thought of as among the best in the NFL, but Tyron Smith has missed at like at least three games uh, every year over the last five years. I think maybe even six years. Um, and he's missed a substantial amount of time uh, over the last two. So that's a guy that I think I, I compare him sort of to like a late stage Jason Peters of his career where when he plays, he's still very good, uh, but you can't. You, you know that at some point he's going to miss some games. So I think the Cowboys' initial plan for Tyler Smith is to sort of cross train at left tackle and left guard. So he's your immediate left guard uh, of the present and the left tackle uh, of the future. Sort of a developmental player from Tulsa. Um, you know, he's got a mean streak. He's got good athletic testing. There's a lot of things to like had an obscene number of penalties in his final season at, at, at Tulsa. So much so that the Cowboys actually – they either tweeted something out or they put it in an article or something. I think they tweeted something out, something to the effect of, of the number of penalties that he had, but they didn't think it was a big deal. But they addressed it in a tweet for some reason. And then you mentioned in the third round they took the wide receiver, Jalen Tolbert, which makes sense with you know having traded Amari Cooper and um, – and, you know, they're left with uh, Michael Gallup, who's coming off a, a serious injury. Uh, and, of course, they have C.D. Lamb there. So uh, he made sense in the third round and sort of a deep threat. But, yeah, it's it's a draft, uh, at least in the, fir the first two days. Uh, all those, you know, all those picks 
fit needs that they that they had to address. Um, you mentioned the the day three guys too. Um, no one really stood out there so much to me as um, you know a, a weird pick. Uh, the one guy that I think um, could be a good developmental prospect for them is uh, Matt Willetsko, uh, offensive tackle from from North Dakota. I remember watching him at the Senior Bowl. He had this ugly green helmet and i was like what school is that even and uh but he was holding his own against you know some of the top tier uh pass rushers uh at that you know at, at that event and uh he's a guy that, that i think has really good athleticism good size i think the knock on him is that he needs to add functional strength but uh he, he's a guy that could that could maybe start for them you know a little further down the line yeah i think just looking at the day three guy i think their fifth rounder damone clark a lot of people liked but he yeah. had some type of medical issue my final my thoughts, fusion surgery, I think it is. Yeah, that's not good. So, yes. Um, <laughs> it's interesting, by the way. A couple thoughts about the Cowboys. You know, they've had a lot of issues with the guys they've taken that have issues. Like Randy Gregory. They've had a lot of issues yeah. with those guys. But it doesn't really prevent them from getting another guy with a lot of issues. I guess they've kind of <laughs> right. just they they've just kind of accepted that. That my thought on Tyler Smith is twofold. One is I think it's interesting and harder to kind of um, train a young player like that at two positions than maybe they think. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's going to be starting at left guard. I wouldn't be putting him at left tackle. That like if you're going to start him at left guard then I'd give him a ton of reps at left guard because that's not what he played at Tulsa. And then if something does right. happen to Tyron Smith, I don't think it's that great to have him, you know, for t- 10 weeks, all he's done is left guard, and then you just could throw him out there to tackle. I would say mm-hmm. good luck about that. I'd also say, I guess one of my thoughts, Jimmy, and I'm not – look, I played for the Cowboys, whatever. Um, thinking about their O-line and the fact that they, they are now, like, drafting the heir apparent to Tyron Smith. I, I I just was sitting there thinking with the O-line they had and the receivers they had for a couple years with Amari Cooper and Gallup and CeeDee Lamb and Zeke on his rookie contract when they had it and Dak on his rookie contract when they had it, they got to be up there among teams that have done the least with the most. I mean, they had – yeah. Star quarterback, star running back on rookie deals, a top five O-line, and I think maybe they won one playoff game, if that's correct, like with this group of guys? I think that's right. I think they beat the Seahawks in the 2018 playoffs. Uh, 2016, they were 13-3. and They were the one seed. They got beat by the Packers on that Remember that? Remember the end of that game, by the way. Not to get off topic here, but <laughs> that kick by Mason Crosby. It looked like it was gonna go like it was gonna miss left, and then it corrected itself. And you can see the Cowboys fans like behind the goalpost. They're like, "Ah, it's gonna miss!" And then, oh, it's good. <laughs> anyway, a little sidebar there. But yeah, you're right. I think it's just one playoff game that they won uh, since that 2016 season when they drafted Dak and Zeke. And those two guys finished one and two in uh, you know Rookie of the Year voting that year. And you're right. Like when you have uh, uh, a quarterback as good as Dak was immediately uh, on his rookie contract for, I mean, they had him on his, on his rookie contract for four years because then they franchise tagged him. He played on the tag for a year and then he wound up costing a lot more than he would have had they got it done, a deal done sooner. 
So yeah, they're they're in a not in as advantageous a position as they were during that five year stretch when they had those guys at, at, on much cheaper contracts. So yeah, they're 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 a team that that's going to have some challenges ahead for sure on that front. Let's get to the New York Giants. Uh, Giants have been roundly praised for their draft, which mm-hmm. I always think like I don't know. I mean, if they had the fifth and seventh pick, it'd be super weird <laughs> if yeah. people were like, "Oh, that draft sucked," right? Like, <laughs> yeah. of, course, of course you're gonna say they had a great draft. They got the two of the first seven players, uh, but they got Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal with the fifth and seventh picks overall. In the second round, they got Wandell Robinson from Kentucky, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting because he's so similar to Kadarius Tony, who they just took in the first round last year. That makes sense. So yeah. that tells you there's something going on there. And then I've never seen a team do this. They they drafted both starting guards from the University of North Carolina. They got uh, Cordell Flott, a cornerback from LSU, Bellinger, the tight end from San Diego mm-hmm. State, Dane Belton, the safety from Iowa, Micah McFadden, the linebacker from Indiana, and then I don't care about the other guys. Your thoughts, Jimmy, on the Giants draft? <laughs> well, I'll say this. I thought what they did at five and seven was smart because their number one priority heading into this draft was, of course, going to be uh, fortifying that offensive line, which has just been atrocious over the – I mean, however long it's been. It's just been a, a, an all – their all line has just kind of been devastating to them. Uh, for, for quite a while. And I would imagine they probably had Evan Neal rated ahead of Cape on Thibodeau on their own board, um, just based on, you know, need and, and, you know, the quality of the player or whatever, but they did the smart thing because at five cave on Thibodeau, Neal and Iki Iquanu were all there. So, you know, you're guaranteed at least one of Iquanu and Neal if you take Thibodeau first. So I think other, I mean, would, would Dave Gettman have messed that up in the past? Like, would he have taken the lineman at pick number five and then maybe Thibodeau isn't there at seven? So I think they did the right thing by taking Thibodeau first and then being guaranteed either Neil or Iquanu at seven. So I thought that was smart in the way they did that. But I'm with you. Like, of course, those two guys are good picks. And actually, the, the Cowboys draft board seems to leak every year. And those two guys happen to be the top two guys uh, on the Cowboys draft board. I don't know how that lines up with the rest of the NFL, but I just thought that was interesting that the Giants got the Cowboys' top two players uh, at five and seven. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, Evan Neal fits a huge need. He can play left side, right side. So he'll, play, he'll almost certainly play right side with uh, with Thomas playing, uh, you know, former fourth overall pick playing, you know, staying at left tackle. Thibodeau will immediately play. Obviously, he's, you know, he's, he's a speed rusher. He's going to give them some juice off the edge. You mentioned uh, Wandale Robinson. I that's a guy that I hadn't actually watched much of prior to the draft, but after the draft, I started watching, you know, potential quarterbacks in the 2023 draft uh, because you know I cover the Eagles, of course, and that's going to be sort of on people's minds as Jalen Hurts' season kind of goes on. Uh, so I started taking an early look at those guys, and and um, you know, one, one the the Kentucky quarterback who's uh, Will Will Levis. Uh, I started watching a little bit of him uh, at Kentucky, and when I was watching him, I was like, "Wow, Wanda Robinson's really good. <laughs> like he, he that guy can can certainly play, and he'll probably play in the slot for them. And he's got a lot of shake. He's got good hands, good route runner. So he was sort of an under the radar guy that wound up going, you know, top half of the second round. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, the 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 role that he plays immediately in, in their offense. Because you're right, he does 
do a lot of the same things, at least uh, offensively. Uh, I, Tony gives you a little bit more maybe as a special teams guy too, but uh, just in the regular offense, I think he gives you a lot of the same things as Tony. And and Tony was like missing OTAs and stuff like that, and like you know the missing workouts and such. I think that was prior to the draft as opposed to after it. So that was sort of a red flag that they took a player so similar to him. One thing that I thought that was interesting that they did on that Wandell Robinson pick was they traded back from uh, 36 to, uh, to, I think it was like 43. And the players that were available uh, in that 36 to 43 window, I mean, it's a lot of star power there. Like you have like guys like, like Brees Hall, you have uh, the, the cornerback from, uh, from Georgia uh, 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 Booth. Um, there are a lot of players that they passed on to move back from 36 to 43 and they land on Robinson. So I thought that was kind of interesting. You mentioned the two guards uh, from, from North Carolina. They of course had a great rushing offense there, uh, particularly in 2020, yeah, 2020 with uh, those two running backs, Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Um, They've had a great rushing offense there for a long time. Obviously, like I said, offensive line was their biggest priority clearly heading into this draft and in free agency in free agency, they signed um, uh, John Feliciano center from, from the bills. He comes over with Brian Dable and um, who's the other guy that they signed. Uh, Lewinsky, right? Lewinsky. Lewinsky. Yes. Right. From the Seahawks at one point. And it's been a couple, couple different places, I believe. So they signed those two interior guys. Uh, they, they draft the two interior guys from, from North Carolina and they get Evan Neal, of course, um, but otherwise, like I thought a lot of these picks that they made and you mentioned Cordell Flott too, the cornerback that obviously fills a need. They know that they were going to be moving on from James Bradbury uh, one way or the other, whether that was via trade or via release. So they take Cordell Flott. The guys that they passed on there, like Nicobe Dean was one of them that they passed on to take Cordell Flott. They passed on Malik Willis. Who would make sense for them with Daniel Jones having, you know, they didn't exercise his fifth year option. Um, you have another cornerback there in Marcus Jones that uh, I thought was just a phenomenal player uh, for Houston. They thought Flot was better than him, apparently. So they, they passed on a lot of different guys to, to take Flot there at that spot. I wonder if that'll burn them. And with Dean in particular, uh, they got asked, Joe Shane got asked specifically about Nicobe Dean and then passing on him to take Cordell Flot. And he like sort of went, Way beyond the answer that he, the, the easy answer that he could have given was just, yeah, he's a great player and a great career. You know, I'm sure he's going to have a great NFL career, blah, 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 blah. That was the easy answer. But instead he goes, oh, yeah, he's falling for a reason. I don't know what you guys know, but he, there's a reason that he's falling. He like went out on a limb to say, to specifically say that there's a reason that Nicobe Dean didn't get, get taken until the third round. So, you know, that's sort of another interesting side plot to see, like, the kind of career that Nicobe Dean has compared to Cordell Flott. Uh, but yeah, their, their draft, as you mentioned, when, when you opened up the giant with the giants was, you know, you can't mess it up completely in theory when you have the fifth and seventh overall picks, but I thought their day two and day three picks were just sort of, eh, you know, so like on paper, the players that they got and Thibodeau and Neil, Great. And you, as you mentioned, like widely praised. And of course, they're going to be widely praised because of those two guys. But you take those those two easy picks out of the equation. And I thought their draft was just kind of meh. You also, by the way, Jimmy, cannot go wrong getting clothes from Express. Just got home and I have a <laughs> bunch of shipments that came in. I got a couple of different button downs, which I love. A couple of polos. They've got the prints. 
that absolutely pop that you need when you're going out this summer, which I love. I also got another pair of those shorts the, that I absolutely have been telling you guys about. Find something for every destination at Express, either online where I made my order or in store. All right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jamie, let's get to the Philadelphia Eagles. You hopefully know something about them. I know you know a lot about them. Uh, Their draft has been discussed quite a bit. They got Jordan Davis in the first round, Cam Juergens in the second round. Davis, of course, the D-tackle from Georgia. Juergens, the center from Nebraska. N'Kobe Dean, the linebacker in the third round from Georgia. And then Kyron Johnson, the linebacker from Kansas, and Grant Calcaterra, tight end from SMU in the sixth round. Although I guess I would say, um, Jimmy, I feel like you got to include A.J. Brown in the draft on some level, right? I mean, they used a first-round pick to get him. So one way or the other, he's part of this group of players they acquired with these draft choices. Yeah, they had three first-round picks. It's almost heading into the draft. They traded one of them, of course, uh, for a 2023 first round pick with the Saints a couple weeks before the draft. But the day of the draft, they headed in. They 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 had two first round picks. One of them they used to to trade for AJ Brown. The other they used to trade up for Jordan Davis. Let's do Jordan Davis first. Um, There was you know some quibbling over the the cost to trade up. They traded a few uh, three day three picks. Uh, in order to move up from what was it, fifth, sixteen to uh, fifteen to thirteen, I think fifteen to thirteen, right? So if they hadn't done that, they could have been stuck with nothing because thirteen goes, you know, Jordan Davis goes to the Eagles, of course. Fourteen, Kyle Hamilton goes to the Ravens. Both of those guys would have made plenty of sense for the Eagles, but then fifteen. Who's left? You're either reaching for a corner there, maybe you're taking a wide receiver, maybe you're, you know, take. There's a lot of offensive linemen that were still available there, which they didn't necessarily need. So for them to be aggressive and go up and to the 13th pick, pay a little bit of a premium, maybe uh, to to go up and, and make sure that they get that guy. Who, by the way, most athletic uh, as far as you know, guys that have been measured since. I don't know, whatever, 1990-something, 1980-something or whatever, the most athletic defensive player ever <laughs> to like head into the NFL. The only player that was, has been you know, rated more athletic than him ever is Calvin Johnson. So, you know, at a minimum, this guy at 340-something pounds, 6'6", at a minimum, he's going he's gonna to help you in the run game, at a minimum. But with the athleticism that he has, you know, he's got a chance to be special as a pass rusher, too. He didn't have great, uh, great production uh, as a pass rusher at Georgia. Of course, that's a unique situation with the just sheer number of extreme players that they had along that defensive line. They were blowing teams out. They take out that whole first team and they play their, you know, their, their underclassmen because they have to worry about these guys transferring, like going to go to the transfer portal, which is almost like free agency in college now. If the guys aren't playing, 
they're gonna there's lily by the way in the background i don't know if you can see her <laughs> on the screen uh she, she i guess she just woke up uh but yeah so they're um you know they, they got to be fearful of these guys leaving for other schools so jordan davis averaged 20 something snaps per game and that was part of why that that he did and he comes to an eagles defense i think there's some concerns i'm, I'm less concerned about the the stamina issues but he comes to an eagles defense that has fletcher cox and javon hargrave and milton williams and those guys are all going to rotate in and out they're going to be able to stay fresh throughout the games they're going to be able to have davis go in and say you know just give me everything you got for you know three four snaps we'll get you out and then we'll get you know we'll get more, uh, somebody else in there so they have a chance to be special along the interior of the eagles defensive line in 2022 and then beyond, you know, Jordan Davis can sort of be a guy that they build around if, if he pans out the way that they hope he does. Um, and then of course they get AJ Brown. The Eagles haven't had, I mean, it was a, a, what bottom 10 wide receiving core over the last, I don't know, five, six years or so, I guess, you know, they, they had a, a, they got a great year out of uh, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, the, the year they win the Super Bowl. but that aside, they've really had issues. Of course they draft Devonte Smith, in the first round a year ago. Now you add A.J. Brown to that mix. I think Quez Watkins is a guy that that had a, an underrated year in uh, 2021. So that trio of Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, Quez Watkins, all bring a unique skill set with Quez being the speed guy, Devontae being sort of that smooth route running guy that, that's going to make plays at, at all three levels of the defense. And then A.J. Brown, the guy that can you know take a short pass, break a couple tackles, and, and make big plays. Also sort of underrated as a, as a down-the-field threat. Uh, as well. But those three guys, in addition to Dallas Goddard, really give the Eagles a set of weapons on that offense that they haven't had in a long time. You throw the, you know, the, the, the offensive line, which in my opinion is top five in the NFL, may very well be the best offensive line in the NFL. And it's all right there for Jalen Hurts to succeed in 2022. It'll be a great, uh, I mean, from the Eagles perspective, front office perspective, they can really see Jalen Hurts uh, and whether he is, you know, worthy of being their long-term quarterback, uh, you know, going forward because they, they, everything's right in front of him. He has everything they, they, he needs in that wide receiving corp, the, the, the great tight end, the great offensive line. And uh, if, if he can't succeed with that group, then I think it'll be crystal clear for the Eagles and what their plan should be in the 2023 draft. But it's all right there. The roster around him on offense uh, at this point is all right there for him to succeed. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, it is interesting. The next two picks are the guys I want to focus on with Jurgen. Mm -hmm. I know yep. um, you had some issues with taking uh, an heir apparent or a guy that you don't expect to play this year in right. the second round. And then the Nicobe Dean thing is going to be very interesting because to go at 83, there had to be a bunch of teams that had legitimate <laughs> yes. concerns about him to go that late. Yeah, so Jurgens will start with first, and I did quibble a bit on um, you know the 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 allocation of resources there. Normally, you have a center that's drafted in the first two rounds; that guy plays immediately. It's it's extremely rare for to take a guy in the first two rounds and he, and he doesn't play. And it's not just that he's going to be sitting for a year. So Jason Kelsey every year is going to make his determination whether he wants to continue to play in the NFL or not. And the last couple years, it's been speculated that it was going to be. This last year, and then he comes back in 2021. He comes back in 2022. 2023 could roll around, and he can go, you know what? I still feel good. I'm going to keep going. So, like, I think the difference between a guy like Cam Jurgens and a guy like Landon Dickerson, who they drafted in the, early in the second round, to also be the heir apparent 
to, to Jason Kelsey, or at least that's what we thought initially. Uh, the difference between those two guys is that uh, Dickerson played multiple positions uh, at Alabama and Florida State. He also had experience at guard, whereas Jurgens is more of just sort of a center only. The Eagles said that they're going to cross-train him at center and guard, and maybe he can help out at guard. I don't think he's going to start there initially. Uh, but if, if So that maybe changes the equation a bit. If he can also play guard, which, again, he hasn't done, but if he can also play there, then that adds his value and it makes you – know, I think that, that that draft pick makes more sense if he can also play guard. But his profile is that he's sort of a center only, at least for now. Uh, but he, as far as the player goes, totally worth the pick where they got him. Like I, as a player, it's not a knock on him in any way as an actual player. I think if he had been drafted by somebody else, he's going to be starting right away at center and, and has a chance to be good. The athleticism that, that 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 guy has is really impressive. And as Jason Kelsey himself said, that guy is the guy that reminds me most of me. Of, of the centers that I've watched over the of this college centers that I've watched over the last you know, three years or however long he's been doing that. So, uh, yeah, I like the player, uh, the, the use of resources you can quibble a bit on. And then Dean, I can't understand how that guy got to the third round. Like I remember doing, I don't know if you've like done those, you know, those simulated mock drafts with any of these teams where, um, you know, you make all the picks for, for teams and, and simulates all the other picks for the other teams. But there was one time, like, Dean was sitting there in the second round at pick 53, and I was like, yeah, okay, well, that's not going to happen, but okay, I'll take him here. Uh, he lasted until pick 80-something, 81, I think. The, the Eagles, uh, you know, scoop him up there. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the Giants said there's a reason he's falling. I don't know what you guys know, but there's a reason that he's falling. Part of it was that he is small, and it's not just that he's uh, short, and light. He's also got short arms. He's got small hands. You look at his spider chart on mockdraftable.com, and it's like it's very condensed. Like it's ve- like it's a very uh, unimpressive looking spider chart in terms of his height, weight, arm length, whatever. He didn't work out uh, at the uh, combine or at his pro day uh, because of injuries and such. The injury uh, stuff is 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 a concern too. I guess for some teams, the Eagles were adamant that their training staff felt that he was healthy and will be healthy this year. They said he's going to practice right away. He practiced in the, you know, the first set of uh, practices immediately after the draft, he participated in OTAs. So uh, they feel that he's ready to go. He didn't miss any games at Georgia. Uh, So that, 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 I mean, whether that's a concern, a bigger concern for other teams around the league that wasn't for the Eagles, you know, I guess we'll see. And we'll see if, you know, he can remain durable uh, for the Eagles as his career continues. But what the Eagles now have at linebacker, again, like we mentioned, the wide receiver position has been so bad over the last half decade or so. You can say the same thing for for linebacker with this team, but they bring in Kaiser White in free agency. They add N'Kobe Dean. If either of those guys don't pan out this year for whatever reason, they still have TJ Edwards, who is still by far their best linebacker uh, in 2021. So it's a position group that has been traditionally really bad. That is, you know, I, I wouldn't yet call it a position of strength, but they're certainly they look like they're they're better suited to go into this 2022 season uh, than, than they have been in the past. Let's wrap up with the commanders. Uh, okay. They took Jahan Dotson, the wide receiver from Penn State in the first round. Then the second round pick, Fedarian Mathis, a D-tackle from Alabama because the commanders take a D-tackle from Alabama high every <laughs> right. year. And they yeah. all look the exact same. Third <laughs> round pick I thought was interesting, Brian Robinson, the big running back from Alabama. Can't yeah. say I was expecting that. Then out of their later picks, I think the most noteworthy one was Sam Howe, 
the quarterback <laughs> in the fifth right. round that everybody said was going to be a first-round pick, maybe number one overall before the year started. Mm-hmm. My personal favorite was the quote from Ron Rivera about why they like Jahan Dotson, in which he totally threw Sean Clifford, Penn State's quarterback, under the bus. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear he that. Was, That's funny. He though. was trying so hard not to, but he's like, uh, well, you kind of look at who they're playing with and some of the catches they have to make. And, well, let's just say uh, Dotson really impressed. It was amazing. Hilarious. Yeah, that reminds me of when the Eagles took Jalen Rager. The Eagles didn't say anything about TCU's quarterback at the time, but everyone made excuses for Jalen Rager that TCU's quarterback was like, was basically Satan. Like, like it was like the worst guy on the planet. Uh, and, you know, we found out later that that wasn't really why he was not. But whatever. We won't go, we won't go down that rabbit hole. But it does remind me of that. I, I hadn't heard those comments from, from Rivera. Uh, but Jahan Dotson, I actually really like him as a player. He's got he was widely regarded as having the best hands uh, of any receiver in this draft. Uh, Doesn't have super impressive measurables either in terms of athletic testing or in terms of size. He's a smaller receiver, obviously Um, as far as his athletic measurables go, he has speed. I think he ran a four, four or something like that. Uh, But his other testing measurables weren't great. So for him to be taken 16, you can understand why some people thought that that was a little bit of a reach. They did originally hold what the 11th pick, I think, and they traded back to 16 with the Saints, who completely lost their mind with all the trades that they moved, that they, that they that they made to eventually wind up with Chris Olave. Again, we won't go down that rabbit hole. But the Cowboys, or the, excuse me, the, the Commanders were without some of their picks this year because of the Carson Wentz trade with Indianapolis. So they got some of those picks back. One of those picks was used on Brian Robinson. But um, Dotson, I think, is a player that, you know, he might never be – like a, an NFL star, but that's the kind of guy that I think plays in the NFL for more than 10 years and has, you know, has a good career just because of his baseline skill set as a guy that just doesn't drop passes. He's good route runner. He gets open. And while he doesn't have the size or the extreme athletic, you know, testing measurables, he's a guy that, that just has, it can be very effective in my opinion uh, in the NFL. You mentioned that the, the, the Alabama DT, of course, previously they took Deron Payne and uh, uh, Jonathan uh, Allen, who fought, uh, incidentally, each other <laughs> on the sideline last year. Uh, so, you know, Mathis joins that group. Um, uh, Brian Robinson, you know, joins a, a running back uh, room with, uh, you know, Antonio Gibson, who had a great rookie season. Kind of, you know, his numbers kind of fell off last year. So that's I think that's a good one-two punch. And then, of course, they have J.D. McKissick out of the background catching passes. So that's a good trio of running backs, in my opinion. Maybe they're gearing up to run the ball a little bit more. And then you mentioned the quarterback discussion, which um, another Ron Rivera quote here. Uh, I don't know if it was necessarily a quote, but he, he mentioned that they went to Carson Wentz to tell him that they took Sam Howell to be a developmental quarterback prospect. The idea that they had to tell their starting quarterback that a fifth-round pick wasn't a threat to him is just – I mean, that just goes to tell you, like, what they think about Carson Wentz's mentality, that they felt they had to go to him after they took a quarterback in the fifth round. But he's a quarterback that is very intriguing. He started at North Carolina from, from day one. Um, you know, he had a lot of good skill position players uh, leave for the NFL in Daz Newsom in Diami Brown. Of course, they lost Javante Williams and Michael Carter to the NFL. 
So he completely changed his game in 2021. He ran for something like 800 yards or something like that, which was not part of his game. I mean, he could always run. He could always do make plays with his feet, like extend plays. But he was never really a runner uh, in terms of like you know making plays, make you know, getting first downs, and, and actually running with the football as much as he did in 2021. So he ch- completely changed his game based on. You know the loss of, of of all these players that that they that North Carolina had from from 2020 into 2021. I thought it was a steal, honestly, in the fifth round to get him there. You know, he's he's got a, a, as in terms of just skill, he's a lot better than a guy like Taylor Heineke, for example. So you know, if if Carson Wentz for some reason gets hurt or doesn't pan out or whatever, he's a guy that maybe can can step in and, and show something. I don't think he's going to be like a good starter or a good player or anything, you know, anytime soon in the NFL, but he's a, like, I think he's a developmental guy that, that, you know, can, can eventually maybe compete for a starting job if they just sort of continue to be in quarterback purgatory. But at a minimum, I do think he can be a good backup. But I thought, again, the, the biggest takeaway for me on that pick was that they felt the need to tell Carson Wentz that it was just a developmental guy and not a threat. Check him out on social media at Jimmy Kemsky, K-E-M-P-S-K-I. You know where I'm at, at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. Jimmy, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, of course, Ross. Happy to be on. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and The Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.